0: Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 157 for the 23rd of July 2014. I'm Chester Wisneski here with Paul Ducklin. Hello, Chester. How are you doing this fine day? Uh, I'm quite pleased now that we're approaching uh a year of consistently getting the, the chat chats posted thanks to the work that you and John did a couple of weeks ago. So um I'm hoping you're well.
1: Ah, oh, you mean that we we uh we tidied you over your absence? Yes, yes. Uh, Our pleasure. But like I said last week, we did miss you. So uh, it's good to be back on track, as it were.
0: Well, in back on track, uh, you know, I mentioned on Twitter, uh, right before we started recording that I was very pleased that for once, we don't have to discuss any data breaches this week. Although uh, we do always kind of start out with some sort of vulnerability, usually, which in this case, it turns out to be in uh, Cisco's backyard. Most folks, when they think of Cisco gear, of course, think of, you know, enterprise class routers and switches and, and uh, this type of thing. But in this case, they still have a, a Soho home router division. I didn't even, wasn't even aware of that because I remember they sold off Linksys a few years back. And I thought they had kind of ditched the home market. You wrote up a story that there's a, a vulnerability in a, in a in a still existing Cisco home product?
1: Yes, quite a range of them, actually. Uh they're probably quite widespread because there's a whole range of uh, what they call wireless residential gateways or what you and I would call home routers most routers have a web-based GUI that means they have a special purpose customized web server and there's a remote code execution hole in it so you can basically send the router an http request um that gives you control of the router the good news is as far as i can see The default setting on these routers is that what's called remote management is not accessible on the outside, the internet facing interface by default. So that's a sort of a partial workaround doesn't close the bug, obviously, for that you need a firmware upgrade. But it does prevent anyone from the outside wandering in and fiddling
0: with your router. I guess that's another reason perhaps not to have your Wi Fi be open, right? I mean, in essence, if you, you know, open up your Wi-Fi, then people are now on the inside and would be able to exploit this as well. So from a best practices standpoint, it's a good thing no matter what brand of router you're running to make sure that remote administration is not enabled so that people on the outside aren't able to poke around and find these types of vulnerabilities on on whatever device you have. And it's also a good reason to secure your own network to make sure that somebody's not on the inside where they may have more access.
1: There may be a bit more pressure on the people who make and look after routers on behalf of other people coming up uh, at DEF CON. And you'll be there, won't you? Maybe you can look in on this so hopelessly broken competition, which has just been announced. But the idea is to get a bunch of uh, hacker types, giving some serious security scrutiny to just this sort of device, you know, looking for the, for the low-hanging fruit in routers that many people may just take for granted.
0: Well, yeah, and, and we'll be at Black Hat and DEF CON this year. So for any listeners that may be at either conference, uh, you know, drop me a tweet or something and we'll we'll get together. But yeah, I'm I'm going to be looking in on this and I'm very interested in seeing the results because I have a hunch that the results won't be good for Soho wireless device manufacturers. I mean, the track record is quite poor. I know you've written several articles uh, in the last couple of years about w- wireless routers having back doors and lots of these vulnerabilities like the one reported in Cisco's devices this week. We look at the scrutiny that something like a web browser gets. Uh, you know, Google, Mozilla, Microsoft, Safari, et cetera, put a lot of effort into doing everything they can to prevent vulnerabilities in, in something as complicated as a browser, and yet every year at Pwn2Own, they get popped. And so devices that haven't gotten much scrutiny, like these Soho devices, whatever they are, whether they're DSL modems, cable DOCSIS modems, Ethernet ones like I have in my house, uh they don't get much scrutiny at all and you can just imagine it's going to be a field day for hackers at defcon with that said these devices are also very low cost devices so the manufacturers haven't put much effort seemingly into penetration testing them and in fact in 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 past vulnerabilities we've seen often a flaw is found that ends up being in like 20 different manufacturers products because they're licensing the same insecure code from some company or OEMing it if you will and just slapping it on their boxes As you've said to
1: me in passing, sort of in jest, but actually seriously, people treat routers as though they're toasters. You know, there's two slots you put in bread, there's some hot elements, there's maybe a fuse, and there's a switch and a thermostat, and that's it. And that's not really what they are, is it? They are, albeit small and cheap and low-powered and with little memory, full-blown servers running a TCP stack, a network firewall, router software, DNS file sharing, printer sharing, and a web server that is specially home-knitted to help you administer the router itself. Because your router is often just the only thing between you and the internet, if someone connects into your router, they're on the internet and they're on your internal network. Don't forget that from the router, they can actually go to map out what's behind it. So they can find out how many computers you've got when you use your iPhone, whether you've got Android tablets, how many printers you've got, where the scanners are, all that sort of stuff. Anybody who thinks that they're not important enough to get the interest of cyber crooks, think again.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and, and and mentioning browsers, uh, we we kicked off a poll on Naked Security about trust. So I guess it sounds like you and I have very little trust in uh, most of these home router manufacturers, although. I know you and I have both dabbled with things like OpenWRT and DDWRT on, on some of the Linux-based devices in the past to try to get a little more control of our own networks. But when we talk about browser trust, um, some interesting things going on, isn't there? I mean, we, the, the poll's been going for a little while. I think it's still open, is it not?
1: Oh, it is. Yes, it'll be open for a while yet. All you have to do is go to nakedsecurity.sofos.com, and where you see the search bar, just type in the word trust and the top result should be the poll. Uh, We did a very similar poll pretty much exactly a year ago, so we thought we'd repeat it and see if anything's changed. And we're not asking you what's your favorite browser, we're not asking you which browser you use the most, we just want to know which one do you trust the most. It's very interesting that when you compare what we think are the actual browsers that people are connecting with and what they're voting for, there's a great disconnect So a lot of people are using browsers that aren't the one that they trust the most, which uh, raises a lot of interesting questions. And uh, so come and vote. And when the polls close, then we're going to analyze those results. And we think they'll be uh, interesting and very possibly important. It makes a big difference whether you trust a browser or not, given the kind of things that we let browsers do on our behalf.
0: Well, that's an interesting question, because I don't know how you come to a conclusion about how to trust certain things. I mean, in in the example of, you know, Firefox, of course, is open source. So to a degree, you could say, hey, we can see the source code, so that makes it more trustworthy. But then we also see things like the OpenSSL bug that was around for so long. And just it being open source wasn't enough to necessarily make it more trustworthy, was it?
1: No. And uh, we wrote not too long ago about that. Linux kernel bug that had been there for something like four years uh, before anyone noticed and fixed it. I don't think I'm breaking any confidences by saying that IE is getting far fewer votes for trustworthiness than there are people who are actually visiting naked security using it. I'm not surprised to hear that from a sort of philosophical point of view, but from a technological point of view, I'm not sure I understand it. I don't really get why people assume that IE is significantly less secure and less trustworthy than any other browser.
0: Yeah, it is very odd. And I, I was hearing very similar things about um, BitLocker during the whole TrueCrypt uh, dissolving itself. Uh, lots of people going, oh, you know, how could you possibly trust BitLocker? And I'm like,
1: that's a great way to put it, dissolving itself.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I just, you know, I just didn't really understand. Like, I understand this inherent distrust to a degree of, you know, the big corporate world and the evil government and the man coming down to control us and that free Libra open source is a more trustworthy endeavor. And to a degree, I share some of that sentiment, but I don't have this impression that like, because BitLocker's from Microsoft, it's inherently untrustworthy. I mean... It's got a lot of eyes on it, and it seemingly, I don't know anybody that's broken it. Nobody's aware of any back doors. Like, why is it any less trustworthy just because it's got Microsoft in front of it? That seems silly.
1: Yes, particularly when it's being compared with something which was, in many ways, more opaque than Microsoft software. You know, that whole true crypt, the mystery developers. So yes, that issue of, as for the poll, on which browser do you trust? A lot of people are giving their reasons in the comments, and some of them are quite emotional, some of them are technical, and they actually make for fascinating reading. What is it that actually makes somebody want to trust a browser? And in many cases, some of the commenters have actually described what it was that made them fall out with a browser. If nothing else, get along to that
0: browser trust poll just to read the comments. Uh, moving along, there was another uh, banking malware takedown. Um, if I'm not mistaken, like some of the last few, uh, it wasn't so much arrest of the criminals behind it as much as dismantling the technological operation. So uh, I can kind of I kind of consider these to be sort of half wins, right? Like it's great to break something that was a criminal tool. But on the other hand, if you don't actually put the criminals in jail, they very likely may just pop back up again, like we saw with the Game Over Zeus people. But, you know, every every dent in the armor, if you will, I guess, is a, is a win, right?
1: I agree. The police can't sit around and do nothing. And in this case, the main impetus for the takedown was the uh, National Crime Agency, the NCA, in the UK. And they work with a whole raft of other European law enforcement agencies to deal with this takedown because, of course, there are servers all over the place. They haven't really said much more than they strongly doubt that the crooks aren't in the UK. You know, they're not saying where they think they are. You'll have to use your own imagination for that. But what they are saying is, you know, there were a significant number of people who were affected and infected in the UK, at least 30,000 that they knew of. From a public order angle, they had to go and do something about it
0: well I, I like these stories as well because it, it refocuses our attention on what's truly important. like I see a lot of the media attention around malware these days focusing on oh, criminals are mining bitcoins using bots, and you know while that might be experimental and sort of interesting to the press it's not really the problem I mean if I've got control of your computer and I can steal money from you, any amount of money I steal from you is going to be more than the amount of bitcoins I'm going to mine right like the the genuine theft whether it's advanced fee fraud, whether it's phishing, whether it's banking malware like this, has a much, much bigger impact on people than the things that maybe get attention sometimes because mining bitcoins is sexy. Um, This kind of refocuses our attention back where it should be, on genuine victims that are having things literally taken away from them.
1: Yes, and if I remember correctly, the US law enforcement, the Department of Justice, when they did that game over and crypto locker uh, takedown, they were pretty much able to show that in the US, these guys had already made something like $100 million in fraudulent transactions, aided and abetted by the fact that the malware was on somebody's computer, and they could give it instructions from a distance. So good on law enforcement for doing something about the middle of this, because it's not as though they can storm around to everybody's house in the whole country and provide them with free IT support. That we have to do for ourselves or help our friends and family to get right. But the fact that they're prepared to put in this effort to actually do something about the net part of a botnet, you have to say hats off. Well done.
0: Absolutely. And uh, the final thing I wanted to mention uh, is that we've been running a a campaign at its called the 12 Days of cis Ho, ho, ho. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, ho, ho, ho. But but leading up to uh, System Administrator Appreciation Day, which is largely a, a U.S.-based thing for the last couple of years, but I think uh, it's being embraced globally by people responsible for managing computers in their professional lives. And uh, we're giving away uh, socks. You can go to sophos.com slash S-Y-S-M-A-S and, uh, and choose a free pair of socks on us, sort of like uh, Christmas stockings to hang by the fire. And we're also giving away uh, some sort of a, a Uber IT throne thing that you can uh, enter a contest to to win. And it's and, and check out the YouTube videos, folks. I mean, I, I'm i not usually pimping marketing promotional stuff for the company, um, but I was nearly laughing out loud at some of the videos that are meant to kind of um, explain the pain of a sysadmin, and they're pretty well done. Just like 60-second security that you do, Paul, all those videos are available over at youtube.com slash sophoslabs.
1: Yes, a system administrator's throne. I guess the only problem is, if you win it, actually making time to enjoy it.
0: Maybe maybe a little Faraday cage as well, so that you could uh, be shielded from those unwanted wireless interruptions.
1: Yes, so that when you said, you're breaking up, you're breaking up with your mobile phone, you could really mean it. In fact, you could have a breaking up button. (laughs) I don't think they're actually legal, are they? Uh, Jamming mobile phone signals.
0: No, but but the throne does include a Nerf gun, which is an essential piece of equipment in any IT department. With that, I'm going to conclude Sophos Security Chat Chat 157. As always, for all of the latest security news, please visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. Uh, You can get all of our podcasts uh, via RSS over on iTunes, on the TuneIn app, or at soundcloud.com slash software security. And until next time, stay secure.